Good morning. <laughs> okay, so we are on lesson seven of part two, Revelation. We are doing our third overview. Part two of Revelation is overview, 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 overview. Uh, each time you do an overview, it may take a week or two or sometimes three. I think this week is a three-week overview. And, and so every time you overview, what we are doing is we're looking at it from a different perspective. We're looking for different points, right? So in our very first overview, those first couple of weeks, do you remember what you came away with by the time you were finished with that? What had you accomplished? Part one. Part, no, I mean, part, part one of your overviews, the very first overview we did in part two. I'm sorry. Yes, we're in part two. That's, let me clarify that. Yes. Do you remember? Oh, please don't tell me. You're, okay. There you go. Very good. Good girl. See, we have star purple people right up front. Okay. Okay. The very first blush through, which was your first overview in in most overviews, in most books, like if you're doing a letter, that kind of an overview would be it. You would do that blush through, you'd mark major keywords, and you'd determine what you thought your themes were for each chapter. Then you go back that neck on week two or three, depending on how big the book is, and then you start to dive in chapter by chapter by chapter, right? Revelation cannot be handled in that way. Have you already come to that conclusion? Have you, what have you observed thus far about, about the kind of overviews that we've been doing at this point? What have you come away with as your takeaway? Yeah, you do have to see the totality of it first before you can start saying, oh, this is what's going on, right? Um, Kristen made a, a remark before we started uh, the lesson that there were still some things in certain chapters. She's like, I don't know where that fits. And I don't know what that has, I don't know how that relates to the things previous or following. I'm still confused. Are some of you still a little lost on that? And then it goes back to the heavens. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That is the problem. And I, it's what's really fun for me as your teacher is because now that I've been through it several times, I, I already kind of, it's a little bit dangerous because I want to put things in the right order and then and kind of spoil the fun for you guys. So I don't want to do that for you. But so there's going to be some things that just um, when Martha was teaching and she kept saying in response to some of the questions, we don't know that yet. We'll just, we're just going to write it down, right? That, <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, don't wait for Katie. Wait for God to show you where it goes. Wait till you've done the work. You can, it's kind of like building, oh, you guys don't do, if you don't quilt, you may not know this, but it's like making, building a puzzle. We've all built a puzzle. Sometimes you don't know where all those pieces go until you've got other things in place, right? So you have to get those outer border. That's kind of what we're doing right now. We're getting those outer borders of revelation kind of laid out the ones that are obvious, the ones that are 
for sure this is how they have to go. And what we are not looking at is a square. We're looking at a straight line because we're looking of, about progression in history. Where in the timeline of history is this going to go? Where in these time frames? We've had a couple of time frames mentioned to us again this week. What were the time frames? Do you remember? One had to do with. Um, Yes, yes. Okay, now, the, yes, now those are actually key phrases and key into, um, it's like the way they're phrased, there's similarities that you're going to, if you start seeing similarities, the day of wrath, the day of wrath, the wrath of God, it is finished. So, okay you kind of know, okay, I don't know where exactly how yet, but I know those all go together, right? They don't go way back at the beginning of our seals. It's got to go somewhere more along the, the bottom toward, of the bowls has to be kind of somewhere at the end of this, right? Because what we do know is what happens in that final um, part that we looked at in chapter 19, who, who returns in chapter 19? Jesus, okay. Do we not all, uh, at least uh, because we're all pretty avid churchgoers, we all know that that is the end. That's when Jesus comes back, that's it. It is done, right? So we can, just because of our, our already baseline knowledge of Jesus's return, that's the end of that, right? So we know where that's supposed to fall. So that kind of gives us one thing that even though we, if you were a brand new believer, you may not know that, but for us as a, as a group, we all know, okay, well, that one we know is going to go right at the tail end somewhere. So at least I can put that one down at the end. I don't know exactly how it fits in, the, in that collage of many activities, but I know it goes down there. So here's kind of that imagery then of building a puzzle. You know where that goes, stick it there in your head. Just say, okay, it has to go somewhere down here. I'm not sure if it's here or here, but it's right at this end part, right? And that's at least a beginning. And that's the kind of thing we're doing right now. We are looking for indicators that show us where is the obvious things that we need to pull, group either group things together, like things with like things. Have you ever separated your colors when you built a puzzle? All the reds in one pile, all the blacks in another, all the whites in one, right? All the blues, all the greens. So you kind of, so that's kind of what we're looking at. And this is, um, another thing that we do, and we've done many, many times, remember when we did Daniel, we were looking at the, um, the beast there with the, um, the, the little horn, right? The little horn. So we, when we looked at the little horn, we started making lists about qualities and characteristics and activities that he was involved in. And things that he did and whom he did it against and so forth. And once we compiled a really nice list by all these cross-referencing plus what was in Daniel, we got a really nice picture of who he was. Then when we hit the rather small horn and we went in and we looked at him, what happened for us? We're going, hmm, rather small horn, little horn. I think those are the same, but were they? Why did we know they weren't? Because eventually we figured out certain time framings happened in certain kingdoms and it couldn't be the little horn it had to be someone else who fell before that because he fell in the wrong kingdom 
but so that is what you're doing right now in Revelation. You're starting right now. You're just kind of building your baseline of knowledge about certain things. You're grouping together things that look right, that look like they go together. For the moment, we're just noting what we are observing and we, we do it over and over and over until it just kind of it's embedded. And then later you can kind of relax on all that. And then we just go, okay, well, I know where those are. We're done with those, right? Later, what's fun is to go back in. If you want to go back into those, for instance, those seals that we looked at last week and really dig those out and, and we will do more work on those for sure. And when we do, then you get to start really digging out and saying, well, what do you think this means? And what does that mean? And right now we're not ready for those kinds of observations. We're pulling way back and we're saying, look for the obvious things, just get them in your boxes for right now so that you see them and then look for patterns or repetitions and like things so that you can see how the patterns are laying out for us. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of what we're, we did this week. She says in day five, she wants us to... Um, how do the seals, trumpets, and bowls relate to one another? Uh, do they all happen at the same time, or is one born out of another? When do they occur? How do they relate to the woes? Now, those woes are interesting, right? Uh, we, we've already talked about a couple of the woes, and, and we locked them in. But that third one, did anybody find a, play, a place where it says, and the third woe is finished? No, we didn't. So... Uh, the, there's a couple of different ways of looking at where that statement might go on our timeline. Um, but we absolutely know, he says, there are how many uh, sounding of the horns to come? Three more to come. And he said, whoa, 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 for the what? For the horns that are yet or about to sound. So those are clues that you go the first woe happened in this in this sixth trumpet then the other the, the other or the fifth trumpet and then the sixth trumpet then the the third one has to have land in the seventh even though it doesn't say that but you can look for um markers or key words in other areas and we'll begin to pick up on where it might tell us that that woe is and what that woe was that made that third trumpet sounding be a third woe so we're going to look we're going to talk about that here in just a minute as we go through so when do they occur how do they relate to the woes and to the day of his wrath very interesting how many of you have always kind of had the impression that the whole total of revelation is the wrath of God, that all, all of this is considered the wrath of God. Hello, Stephanie, come on in. So happy to see you back. <laughs> Sorry, I did leave my mess there. Are you okay? Are you doing okay? <laughs> don't ask, don't tell, huh? Uh, that military talk. <laughs> okay, well, come on in, have a chair. Okay, so when you talk about the day of wrath, if somebody mentions to you the day of wrath, what does it automatically in your mind mean? Armageddon, final judgment. Final judgment as in all of this that we're looking at or just the final judgment? 
Oh, okay. Just the last day. Okay, good. Any other thoughts? No? Well, you guys haven't really thought on this much, huh? Okay. Well, the day of his wrath, would you say that having done your homework this week, that that phrase, the day of wrath, or in the day of his wrath, have you come to realize that that is actually a very pinpointed time on our timeline, that there's a distinction about it. Because as you progress through, there were different kinds of statements about it. What, what were they? What kind of statements do you remember hearing about the day of wrath or anything that related to that? Okay. No flesh is going to be saved. That noise. I thought that was interesting because in so many places it actually specifically states the number of days. Okay, that was a question I asked earlier, and they didn't quite hit on it yet. How what were the number of days that you noticed? There was two references in our homework this week. One was for how many days? 260 days. And then there was another time reference also given to us 42 months. Exactly. So those are another thing that you have to kind of look at and say, well, okay, so one is 42 months and one is 1,260. Um, are those happening simultaneously or at different times? Do, in other words, do those two events that are mentioned with those time references do they happen sequentially or do they happen simultaneously? We have to figure that out by doing timelining later. But for right now, we're going to try to just get them noted so that we're observing the number of days because those time references are important to us. So when in relationship then to the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, does the kingdom of the world become the kingdom of our Lord? So that was another thing that we looked at this week in our homework. So she wanted us to note the, uh, on the chart when the wrath of God is finished, when the mystery of God is finished, when the kingdoms of the world become the kingdom of our Lord, and when he begins to reign. So we're going to talk about all those things little by little as we go through this today. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay, you're in 16 what? Okay, okay, what has happened previously was uh, that the kings had gathered for war, correct? And that's and it's given to you by name called what in verse 16? heart mageddon and it says and then the seventh angel and what is he pouring out bowls so where are you on the timeline all the way at the end at the seventh bowl and then it says and what what does he then say it is done so where does that go the very last bowl very interesting what does that kind of tell you just right now even if you don't know for sure everything else yeah, that seventh bowl finishes all the stuff that God's going to be doing. All these things that we've looked at so far, when you hit that seventh bowl, he tells us, now it's done. It's done. Well, it's the 
that is no, because where are we? We're in the bowls. Where did the woes begin? Uh-huh, in the trumpets. Now, uh, interesting to me, though, is I did notice that in chapter, uh, let me see if it was 17, no, it was 18, chapter 18, verse 10 and 15 and 19, you see woes mentioned there again also, right? This is why I was saying to you that there's, there is a possibility of, for some people with their first blush, with that really, this is why you have to reason it through. You have to stop and think and say, okay, well, what does this mean? The word woe, can it be used other than just those three, those three statements? Yes, because woe simply is a statement of what? whoa <laughs> right <laughs> it's a bad thing it's whoa okay so the word can be used over and over it's very much like uh gog and magog you're going to see that come up and be stated over and over for us throughout our study time and you're going to hear it on uh christian um speakers who are talking about the coming of the day of God when Christ comes the church will rapture and these things are going to begin to happen and they're and they're looking for this day of Gog and Magog to happen right but what did you see when you did your homework this week oh no it isn't this week it's going to be next week there's going to be another Gog and Magog come up let me just show it to you real quick um I'm trying to remember where I saw it. It was in 20. Yes, chapter 20, verse 8. He says that verse starting in 7, and when the thousand years are completed. Now, what are the thousand years talking about? We're on the timeline. The millennial reign. So we're not even looking at that right now in our homework yet, right? Because we're only all the way through chapter 19, which finished what Carol just brought up. It is done. What's done? Well, in that time, it's the, it's the wrath of God is done. And where does the wrath of God get poured out? In those seven bowls, right? In the seven bowls is the wrath of God. And the seventh bowl, he says, and it is done. But here we're saying it, when the thousand years are completed, now Satan will be released from his prison. And in verse eight, it says, and will come out to deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. So there's that Gog and Magog again. So I'm pointing this out to you to simply make you aware of the fact that sometimes terminology is, is more, is just a general statement. Sometimes it's more of a specific, and that's where you have to learn to take the time to make your list, kind of group your, your points and see, are they talking about the same time exactly? Or is it just more of a general reference? Like, Gog and Magog, and as a matter of fact, Gog and Magog has happened even in, in the Old Testament days. There have been Gog and Magog has come came against Israel in the Old Testament. So there, there are references to Gog and Magog. And so what does that tell you? If it's happened before, it's happened maybe in our recent history, it's going to happen. And then we see here at the end of the thousand year reign, it's going to happen. What does that tell us about that, about the use of that Gog and Magog? It's regional. Very good. That's exactly what it is. It's speaking about a certain region of people who every time these things kind of swell up against God and his people, it seems like Gog and Magog is right in the big mix of it all.
So they are stirring the pot, apparently. They're, they're somehow they're key and central to causing this, dis, this disturbance on the earth of people hating God and hating God's people. So there you're going to see Gog and Magog. It'll come up in the Old Testament. So don't be surprised when you see it. And when you do see it, you have to stop and say, okay, is this talking about Gog and Magog right then in history? Or is it talking about something later? And so that's the cool thing is you are going to get to a place where you're going to recognize all these things so much and so well that you will be able to read your Old Testament and go, oh, that's talking about future. Or, oh, no, that's talking about Israel in that day. Well, in it, Isaiah, it could be both. <laughs> well, yes, poor, poor Isaiah. He drives me crazy. <laughs> I got to have a talk with that guy one day because he that was a well, you know, the Lord inspired him, obviously, and it was, it, it is a word that's good for us, but boy, is it, it, you think revelation's complicated. <laughs> okay, all right, so let's go ahead and start with a real, very, very brief review of what we know about these things up here. So concerning the seals, if you go back, we see it was a, a white horse, right? And concerning that white horse, what? He had a rider and the rider sat on it. And what did the rider do? He came to conquer. A rider. A rider with a bow. And he came, con came conquering. Okay, so that's all we're going to get up here because that's all we have room for. That's in chapter 6, verse 2. That's our first seal, okay? So that's what we're going to do right now with all of seven of these seals very, very quickly. Just And I'm doing this for your benefit to, number one, review and get it back in your mind what's happened already so far. Because every time we, we sleep, we forget half of what we looked at the day before. <laughs> okay, so we have a white horse, and then what comes next? A red one, a red horse. Okay, so here's my horse. All right, a red horse, and what does he do? He takes peace from the earth. Sorry, I almost fell over. <laughs> Yeah, how did I fall off my own shoes? Take a piece from the earth. Are y'all able to read my sloppy writing? It's pretty high up there to hit that. Um, he has a great sword. I think we've got room for that. A great sword. Now, what do you see is distinctive between what this writer comes with, even though he's conquering, and here we see he comes to take peace from the earth. If he's taking peace from the earth. What does that tell you? What is what is that? What have, what does it mean when there's no peace on the earth? There's war. Okay, so we're going to talk about war, right? But over here, he comes with a bow and it came conquering. But did you notice anything that's missing? There's no arrows. Interesting. So what does that suggest to us? Probably diplomacy coming with a pseudo piece of some kind. And by the way, who else comes with a white horse? 
Jesus comes. But how do we know that this is not Jesus? Well, he was given a crown. Okay, here the it's a it's a crown, and there are different kinds of crowns. By the way, when you do your word studies, you'll figure that out. But where does Jesus show up? We just talked about it. <laughs> all the way at the end so it can't be the same right now for one thing but also here when this one comes he comes conquering when jesus comes what does he come to do to make war right and to tread the great wine press of the of the wrath of god so very distinctive here this one seems to be its diplomacy right It, it's a pseudo piece of some kind that he's bringing. He's conquering, but it's a conquering that's done without weapons. It's a different kind of weaponry, right? Diplomacy. Okay, so now let's talk about, that's all we need to know for now. And that's just to kind of whet your appetite. There's so much to go in there and read and study out on all of this. Looking at the colors, looking at what the horse means, looking at what the bow means, looking at what, you know, there's a ton of things to be looking at in each one of these. When we go back and start digging into them, you'll have time briefly, but you will have some time to look at each one of them. And if there's any one of them that really strikes your fancy, you can always go back at another time and really dig into it later. But for right now, what, what the purpose of Revelation's course is, is, is to get you so familiar with all the parts and pieces that, are, that seem like they're moving, but to help you get them settled into the place where they belong in their, in their proper placement and order, okay? Um, so diplomacy then later, although he comes conquering, it is done with diplomacy. But what does that tell you about his diplomacy when you look at this? It didn't work. It, he, he promised you a lot. Does that sound like some of our leaders today? Oh, just vote for me because I'm going to make everybody happy and everybody's going to be on the same page. Is that going to ever, ever happen on planet Earth? No, never. Many, many men through all the generations of all of history have promised, at least in our nation of 200 years plus, that, that they are going to be the person who is going to help us all just have, be happy. What was it? A chicken in every pot, right? At one time. Uh, but, but this diplomacy obviously fall, fails because what follows is that red horse. After the red horse, we have a, a black horse. And with him, what comes? A pair of scales. Uh, and what does it say about the products that are sold? Yeah, so it's wheat and barley. And all I'm going to do is put a great big dollar sign next to it. The wheat and barley, lots of money, <laughs> right? It's a day's wage. We've, we learned that. That's in 6-6. Six, six. And so when there's uh, things that are given to you and it costs a lot of money, uh, why would the wheat and the barley cost so much money? There's not a lot of it around. So what's been going on here is famine probably droughts, probably uh, crops being burned up, possibly just from the war itself, all the finances were pulled. We know that, that um, 
even even though it, it doesn't tell us a lot here, what we know, Jesus has already told you and I, and we're beginning to see it already, is that as the days of God's uh, coming for for this day, for this the totality of these seven years, we know that there's going to be a, an increase of what? Wars, pestilence, famine, earthquakes, right? So all these things, so by the time all that's happened and then you start having these things, especially this war that probably really sucked the pocketbooks all dry so that when you get to here, everything is very expensive and this famine hit, kicks in. All right, now we have the black horse. Then what do we have next? Ashen horse. And what comes with him? death um and it's okay so, so he sat on the horse uh uh sat on the horse it named named oh, the horse was named death very interesting and hades was following him okay so that's all descriptive of the horse and the action of his coming but when he comes what does he have authority to do and so what does he do he kills how much? One fourth of the earth. And then it goes on to tell you what some of those were, right? Uh, sword. Famine. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> my ears are not great, but I picked up on that because that would have been my husband's statement. <laughs> Sorry. Did you all hear what he said? Sword, famine, pestilence, Kathleen. <laughs> Poor Kathleen. You. No. I, <laughs> I did. You've learned to tune it out. <laughs> My husband does that all the time. <laughs> uh, okay. Pestilence and wild beasts. Okay, so in that regards, we are now looking at the subject of what? Death. So quite honestly, what we have done, at least at, least at this point with these four horses, the, 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 what is it called? The something of the four horsemen, the apocalypse of the four, right. So four horsemen of the apocalypse. Okay, so these four, at least at this point, even though we've really not done a lot of digging, would you say at this point, even if you got nothing more, you at least kind of know where we're at and what's going on? Yep, me too. I'm like, those were the easy ones that we're like, okay, those were simple. And they're, and they're, they kind, they do make a sense, don't they? How do, how one relates to another? Did, we talked about that last week. How do they relate to one another? How do you see the relationship? Is the order, is the order making sense? Yeah, it is logical. Diplomacy that fails brings war. War then brings famine because that's how your, your nation re reacts to a war. And that famine then brings death. And it says here, the ashen horse, when he comes, he kills one quarter of the earth. That's a, that's a lot of people. Okay, that's way more than we've had killed in uh, this COVID-19. Okay, 
just so you know that. <laughs> okay, now the seals, the next thing we have is the, we are with the one to this four, that's four, right? So we're at number five. I've got to write this up here so I can remember number five. Okay, uh, the fifth seal, what do we got going on there? Okay, the souls. Okay, so souls under altar. This one is what, and there's basically two major things that they are concerned about. What is it? How long, oh Lord, until what? Yeah, how long will you refrain from doing this? Another, it's very interesting to me, the statements on that. While we talk just a little bit about, about these souls under the altar, just from this tiny little glimpse about the souls under the altar, what do you learn about your life after death if you're a believer and you go to heaven? What do you learn from the souls under the altar speaking and crying out to the Lord, Lord, how long until you avenge our blood? Say it again. His, you mean God's presence? Okay, first of all, they're in the presence of God. So when you die, what this tells us is the believers are in the presence of God. Isn't that awesome? Right. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. What else do you learn about your life after death in this statement? There's still a connection, an awareness of what took place before. Yes. Yeah. So when you die and go to heaven, you don't just forget your whole life and everything that happened to you. You take with you your cognitive remembrances of the things that occurred in this life. Does that give you comfort and a little excitement or does it? I mean, it can be both, right? How they consider though, what this tells you, and I think it's also interesting that they're, they're doing this and they're beneath the altar and they're crying out to the Lord, but it sounds like, therefore, what's going on amongst them as a, as a collective group? Praying and just discussion. Can you imagine they're under the altar? I know I said this the last time I taught, but I said, I can just see myself, you know, when, when I die and I'm, I'm in heaven. And I'm beneath that altar, right? Hopefully not asking God to avenge my blood because I hope I pass quietly in my sleep, right? But still, there I am beneath the altar and I approach and there they are at the altar and they say, Katie, here's your chair. Come sit with us. And there I sit with Moses and Paul and, and uh, uh, even Isaiah. And I get to ask him a lot of questions. And um, all, the, all the greats of the Bible sitting there, not to mention we're in the presence of God and Christ and the Holy Spirit and all those amazing angels. How many scenes have we come across at this point where there's worship and worship and worship in heaven? Can't you? So... What have we learned about our afterlife just by studying this book of Revelation? Quite a lot, right? Because, I mean, we talk, we talk about not really knowing, you know, what is our life going to be like? What are we going to be doing now? It doesn't really show us much more beyond that. It's a very small glimpse, right? And don't you know there's a whole lot more going on than just that? But already what you know is when you die, you are in heaven. You're not just without a, bra a brain or a thought or a think uh, an ability to remember and recall 
your fond, I think the, the bitter things go away in the presence of God. I really do believe that all the pains and all the hurts, they can't help but melt away in the presence of God's glory, knowing the victory is already yours, right? But you do get to keep those sweet, precious thoughts and, and remembrances of the things that you bring with you. For one thing, we know this because first Corinthians teaches us that we will go before the Bema seat and God will judge our works. So what does that tell you about what you know about your works? You're going to know. And if you've forgotten any of them, God's going to bring them up. He's going to say, here was one work you did. Well, job, good job. My, my good and faithful servant, he's going to reward you for the good things that you did in his name. And there will be reward. You're not judged for what? For your sins. Because why? In Christ Jesus, they're, they're all accounted for and they're wiped away, right? Not one, not one uh, sin that you've ever committed will be there in that judgment seat at the Bema seat of Christ. Only the works that you did for God's glory. And he will put them into the, into the fire and they will be refined. And those things which remain that were true, that glorified God, those things that God rewards you for. Isn't that awesome? So just by the, the being beneath the altar here, Saul, the souls under the altar, you, you get to see so much about eternal life, I think, in that thought. Okay, so that'll give you some things to chew on too when you go there. Under the altar, they, they ask two questions. One question is how long? How long, oh Lord, right? Until right? And you know the rest. And then there's one more question they ask. What is it? it right after how long, oh Lord, what? And what after that? And what after that? <laughs> yes, there is. Um, in the very last sentence in chapter six, Yes. Is that? Oh, I'm in the wrong. Am I in the wrong bowl? I am. Sorry. I'm in the wrong bowl. You're right. You're right. So sorry. You're right. I got my, I got my uh, bowls mixed up. Well, I think there's another way of looking at it, not just that the world is going to burn up, but one of the things that we learned as we got toward the end of our homework this time, as we got into chapter um, 19, for instance, or, and even just before that, what did they say about God's judgment? Well, how does, how was it depicted? What were the descriptive words? Do you remember? About the God's wrath, when he pours out his wrath, your wrath is what? True and righteous, right? True and righteous. And so even though we see how long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood, that can almost sound vindictive. But you know what that would say, what's talking there is us in our flesh. In our flesh, we're feeling a little vindictive yet. But it, at the altar, that's not, I don't think 
the, probably going to be what's coming out of our mouth as we sit in the presence of the Lord. I think what they're really doing is they're saying, Lord, because you are righteous and because you are true and because you have told us this is what you are going to do, how long until you do that? It's a little different way, like, how long, oh Lord, until you avenge our blood? Or how long, Lord, until you avenge, until you do what you've said, tell what is true and what is righteous. Is God righteous? Does he remain to be righteous if he does not judge evil? No. So. That's true. Yeah, until we get to go. Well, right. And in, in that case, it's still, it's still, that's still a correct attitude. I, I don't really feel like there's a vindictive or a, a revenge kind of thing. It's more like, Lord, how long until we're, until we're there, right? Right, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Do you remember in one of those sections that are really gobbled up and you're like, I don't know where this goes in the timeline. What about all those angels that fly in heaven with an eternal gospel? And how many times did you see uh, things like the 144,000 who are, who are marked, right? These are going to be prophets and witnesses for God. What about the two witnesses? And what are they doing during those days? They're preaching the gospel, right? So it's like when we did Daniel and we're getting carried off. And you're like, Elizabeth gets carried off. Hey, mm -hmm. more gets carried yes. off. Yes. Okay, I'm done. Shoot. Right. Right. Actually, that's a very good analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And will you please repent? And God gave opportunity after opportunity. And he gave quite a long period of time. Those three sieges of Jerusalem that we saw in Daniel took place over 11 year period. And little by little, God allowed Jerusalem finally to fall into the hands of their enemy, Babylon. But but it was three sieges. And so the, that is a lot what we're seeing here. We see, we see three phases of God's work. The first is the seals, which is even in their progression, they, they seem like they, they kind of start intensifying. For sure, by the time we hit trumpets and hit toward the end of them and then the bulls, and it's all really crazy. All right, so let's move on. Uh, the fifth seal, the sixth seal is what? Yep, it's a great earthquake. Okay, and um, let's see how long, oh Lord, do you vent our blood? I'm going to put the 610 over here. Okay, okay. And we see the, what happens when the great earthquake happens? What happens with the sun and the moon? The stars, yeah, they fall, and every mountain and island moved out of its place. So it, 
it it's quite a dandy little earthquake going on there, right? So we see that big old earthquake. All right, and men then say to God, now, now here's where you were told to put a time reference in here. Um, and I'm just going to put this clock up here so that we can recall that. And it's, and who is it that says this? Men say. Wrath has come. And then the question. Who can stand? That was the question I wanted to put in the previous one. I'm sorry. So there's the question. And then. Here's their statement, right? Men said this. So we put that somewhere. You should have put that when you were doing yours. Let me see if I can find my chart. Here it is. Okay. Mine got quite messy by this week. It was better last week. So we are now, yeah, my sixth and seventh bowls, they are really a disaster. I don't know about yours, but mine are really messy. But here we go. It says, men said, and I just put a little man in my thing. But the nice thing is the chart she gave us, she gave us little tiny piece. It's not much room, though. Little tiny piece here to put your uh, information in about uh, time references that are given to you. So here we have our first reference of time concerning the day of wrath. And in this case, however, one of the things that we were to notice, who said it? And it was men. And what's going to be interesting is when we come across the mention of the day of wrath again, the next time is what we see about who says it. So that's what's really great about doing a chart like this, because then you can see the distinction of what's going on here. So here I, I drew a little tiny man. And I, I put on there, this is what was said. The men said, the great day of wrath has come, right? And then they asked that interesting question, um, who can stand? Who is able to stand? And what did we come to see last week? Where's the answer? Chapter seven, Chapter seven is the answer. Who are the two groups that are presented to us in there? There's 144,000. and. What, and, and where do these 144,000 come from? Each tribe. So they're Jews, right? They're Jewish men. Okay. And then the other group is a great multitude from every tribe and language and people and tongue, right? So these are the Gentiles and, and maybe Jews too who have come into faith. But there's a select group of the 144,000 that are marked. Uh, and when they were marked, what you learned was when were they marked? Before what happens? Before any green thing is harmed, right? Before the grasses begin to burn and the trees begin to burn, right? So even though we see it here in, the, in our unfolding, we're all the way now into chapter 10, we have a mention of answering a question, who is able to stand? He mentions them and he tells you something about them that can help you start to think about where you might place it on your timeline. Okay. Yes. 
So it's before these different things begin to happen to the earth, before the earth begins to be harmed, right? So at least that's one little point. Now, we, that's only one point. So just keep that in mind. That's one point of many that you're going to eventually gather together. But again, that's the kind of thing we're looking for right now in this sweeping overview. We're just starting to go, okay, pay attention to that. Make myself a note about that. Write in on chapter uh, 10 who these people are and what, and what's, let's see, let me go back to 10 and take a look here. So my eight, nine, was it 10? Not 10, seven. seven. Thank, thank you, seven. I knew that wasn't right. Seven. Hmm? Okay, we only have an hour. We've got to hurry. This is not right. We need more time. Okay. Um, all right, so that's 10. And then we're going to do. Where's my black marker right here? All right, last one, earthquake, the last one. Yep, seven angels given seven trumpets. So now we have the trumpets are given in this, right? Seven trumpets are given to them. And then what happens then? They throw to the earth. To earth fire. And what, and what happens? From the altar. And where's the altar, by the way? It's at the throne of God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a throne here. I know that's not a very good throne, but it's, it'll work. Okay. Throw to the altar. That's from the altar, which is the throne of God. Throw to the earth. And then happens is earth quake, right? Okay. So th that's eight, five. Sorry, I better put that up here. Eight, five. Okay. That was the seals. Now let's go on to the, uh, the trumpets and we'll try to do this faster because I won't talk as much, I promise. Okay. The seventh, we, we have four that we did last week. So we just want to quickly review those four. The first one happens to be the, the first trumpet does what? Okay. Hail and fire mixed with blood. And what happens? It's thrown to earth. And what happens? One third, one third, and all the grass. And this was the earth, thrown to earth, it was the earth. and then the trees and all the grass, okay? It's all burned. Okay, so that's the first one. That's an eight, seven, approximately, right? When they say the wrath of God, when they say the wrath of God has come here, does that mean the wrath of God starts? That's the question. Because and, and we need to finish the chart in order to evaluate what it is that's actually said and who says it. 
Okay. At this point, what we see is men have said, and as a matter of fact, when they said all this and, the, and when uh, these b things began to happen to them, did they repent? No, there's no repentance by these. No kidding. Oh, yeah. It's unprecedented. Yeah. Every single day on the news, everything's unprecedented. Okay. Trumpets. Okay, so that's the first the first trumpet. The second trumpet happened to be what? Okay, something like a mountain, a great mountain thrown into the sea. And what happens? Okay, a third of the sea becomes blood. One third of creatures. So here's my fish die. And then the last thing is the third of the ships are destroyed. That is some messy, bloody water that, that caused a, that kind of a deal there, right? So now one of the things I, um, wanted to do was to begin to give you some visuals. This one happens on the earth. So here's my earth, right? That's a really good earth. Tell me that is not an excellent earth. <laughs> okay, and this one is the sea, right? So that's the ocean. That's my messy ocean. Okay, now the next one is where? Rivers and springs. Okay, something, a great star. Uh, fell from heaven. And what happened? Oh, well, I jumped over to the wrong one. One third rivers, one third springs and became wormwood. It might be they both did. Uh, and then many died. Okay, and so these are the streams. Okay, here's my, here's my streams. The only way I can figure out how to distinguish between things like the sea, and a river was to make it look like a, a stream coming out, okay? It's gotta have a backdrop though. So I had to make a couple of mountains. Okay, so there's your rivers and that gives you your vi my visual. For me, that's my visual. It doesn't take but five seconds to draw it. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It just has to help you visually see 
so that you recognize that what is going on here, the first one has to do with the earth, the second one has to do with the sea, and the third one has to do with rivers and streams. And I can, all I have to do, I didn't have to read one word, all I had to do was look at my pictures. This is why I like clip art too, when I'm doing charts. <laughs> okay, the fourth one. Um, I'm on the wrong one. Fourth one, there it is. <laughs> okay, one third of the one third of the sun. Uh, a third, sun, moon, and stars. And then the next is a uh, third. One third of them darkened, right? And. Uh, one third of day and night did not shine, correct? Okay, that's all, that's all we're going to do there. Now, I, for this one, what do you think I did? How easy is that? That's like, okay, I can draw that. So for those of you who are not artists, are you catching on? You don't have to be. <laughs> okay, now what happens at the end of this one? What follows it? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why? Of three remaining. And then I'm gonna do it this way with my horn. Blast, right? So that's my horn. Okay, so, or you could do a, a musical note if you prefer. <laughs> okay, so, whoa, 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 because of three remaining blasts. So just by listening to that little statement right there, what do you, equate then the woes to what do you affix them to the trumpets, the trumpets themselves right because it says the blast the blast of what the blast each of the times that the trumpets are sounded it says that this is the uh, the first one sounded and the second one sounded right and so then it says and of the three remaining blasts which are soundings so what we can see then is we've already determined what happens here in this one at the end of it? The first woe, what? Is, is pa oh, past, sorry, you're right. And what was that verse number? Nine, twelve. Do you know where the next one ends for this one, the second? Okay, second woe is past and it's given to us in? It, 11:14. Okay, so let's stop right there for the moment. Let's get this filled in. What was this particular trumpet? We're at the fifth trumpet. Okay, and the bottomless pit is opened. Okay, now what happens? Locust. And what did the locusts do? Who do they hurt? Without seal of God. Now, who are the men who have the seal of God? 
Yeah. The men who have the seal of God are going to be the ones who have the seal of God are the 144,000. And that was in chapter seven, I think it was, right? Seven something. Oh, the, the seven, one to eight. Seven, eight? One to eight. Okay, but I just need, give me one verse. That's where they get. Uh, seven, one, okay, that's fine. I'll do the whole thing. That's okay. I'm just going to put in one verse to make it simple. Okay, so that's where you see the 144,000 who were sealed. Okay, seven, four. I should put that on my chart. I missed, it's on my other one, I think, instead of this one. Okay, close enough. Get you in the right area. And that's all we're doing right now. So I'm giving you the reason I'm trying to remember to write references on these, and I see I forgot to do it for, for the last two, first, second, third, first, second, third. Eight, seven, the second one is eight, eight. Uh-huh. Creatures die in eight, nine. Eight, eight. Oh, in the second trumpet. Yeah, and in the third, the third one? It's eight, ten. Eight, ten. And the, the next one? Eight, twelve. Eight, twelve. Eight, thirteen. That just helps you so that when we're talking about it, you can quickly pick up and get in the, at least close, right? So you're in the right chapter and verse area. The 813, the 813 is when the uh, eagle says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, 813. Okay, and this one is? 9-1 is when the key is here. 9-1, okay. Good, thank you. That's all we need for now. Okay, so the locusts. They can hurt men without the seal of God. What else do we know about them? Right. Does, do not hurt the green stuff. Do not kill. And do not hurt green things. Now, that's a very interesting one. Oh, and by the way, who is their king? Over them angel of abyss now what's an angel an angel's a messenger what kind of what would we what do we how else do you identify an angel not a human, not a human. okay so now we're talking about something spiritual it's from the spiritual realm so let's make this little angel here there you go and this one is going to have a pitchfork, right? So that's, uh, he's, this one has, is a king over them is the angel of the abyss. You need to study this part out about who, who would be the angel of the abyss. And the, and the fact that he is king over them means he's somewhere in the ranking at the top, correct? He's the king over them. Well, we'll find that out, won't we? Yeah, with that, we don't know yet. And we're not there, but but those are good questions. And what's interesting, though, and the reason I noted it was I wanted you to see, very interesting is these are, they're called locusts. They come up out of this bottomless pit. There's a king that has mastery at this point, anyway, over this bottomless pit called, called the abyss. 
So we're going to have to do some cross-referencing to look at the abyss. Who else is in the abyss? When else is the abyss mentioned in this particular writing of Revelation? So we can gather more information. Just like the 144,000, we have to gather information, right? Um, uh, Gog and Magog, you have to gather your information and try to put together. Or the day of God's wrath, what are you gathering for time references? We need to gather some stuff about this abyss and the, the king that might be over it. And if he's a king over them what does that tell you about them? this locus they're spiritual they're not little crickets that are jumping around although i gotta tell you i did draw them that way here's my little there's my little crickets so that's my locus that i that was my symbol for the locus they do they hurt men Without the seal of God. Now that's interesting is who their enemy is, right? As opposed to who, who would seem the logical person for them to hurt? The 144,000. But who, is, who has forbid that? Apparently God, they are not allowed to hurt men who have that seal upon them. And so the, these are protected. And where might the location then be of the 144,000? Well, if they're Jewish, probably Israel, right? That look possibly. Okay, so that's how we're going to mark it, at least as a point of reference for right now. Yep. Yes. Yes. I don't think so. They're protected. They got the seal of God on them. Well, we're going to figure that part out later. When did they actually get the seal of God placed upon them? At what point in the progression of these events? Remember, here's what's interesting is every now and then we're going along and we're seeing um, a seal, a seal, a seal, a seal is progress progressive. The first, the second, the third, the fourth. So you know they're in an order, right? But then all of a sudden we get a couple of chapters or one chapter where there's just like this parentheses and information is thrown out at us about people groups or events or worship in heaven or a mighty strong angel that comes down and um, we have to figure out what these little parentheses are with all this extra information what is the function and purpose of it in this writing and where do do those things go and what one of the things we we have already discussed is the fact that sometimes you have to gather information from all these different points then you take those people and put them on the timeline so don't be fooled by the fact that, well, you're seeing it right here, so it has to go right here. That's not necessarily true. And that is why Revelation requires an overview like we're doing. You have to look at the totality of it first, gather all your pieces, and then sequentially be putting things in their order in the logical place that they go, right? But you have to figure that all out first. And that's why this takes so much time. Revelation, this, I mean, I've, I've been through this so many times. I'm still forgetting half the stuff I remembered before. There are little details each time, and I have to go back and refresh my mind on it because I, I forget sometimes. Oh, no, that's right. Where were those people? Who were those people now? Were they this? Were they that? You know, but we are going to figure out timelining. That part I got. I've got that for me anyway. I've got that figured out. And you will too. Okay. Bottomless fit. Now we are 
So that was this one. Now see, we stopped last week at the end of here. So this was our fresh information here. We now see there's a bottomless pit that's been opened. Locusts come out that hurt men without the seal of God. So they are attacking who? The unbelieving world, right? Or, or people who are not the 144,000, okay? At least in that regard, that's what we know. But they're not allowed to kill anyone. They're only allowed to torment, right? Also, they do not hurt green things. So whatever is going on with them, they're not allowed. We've already had so much destruction of the green things, right? A third, a third, a third, a third. At this point, God says, nope, you're not allowed to hurt anything else right now, but you are allowed to torment for how long? Five months. Okay. So I can't figure out for five months. Okay, so there's a, there's a time reference there that helps you at least get a concept at this point of how much time is there. What do you think the delay is? If people are not allowed to be killed, but they're allowed to be tormented. Yeah, because what follows in the next one? What happens in the, in the sixth trumpet? Yeah, these are angels at the Euphrates. So we have four angels. This is interesting. I think this one's fascinating. Do you guys know where the Euphrates River runs past, by the way? Babylon. And so it runs from Babylon and it runs straight over to towards Israel and it cuts the east above Israel off from where Israel is. And so this river Euphrates is running down through, but that river runs through and here it says there are four angels that presently right now today are bound and kept in the Euphrates river somewhere. That's interesting, isn't it? That God has them bound in that lo locale. Why that lo locale? Why the Euphrates river, right? Four angels. Um, and it says released from Euphrates River. Okay, I don't really have a way to mark that one. So all I did was put a box around it as it's as being Mike, just like here we have this saying this has something to do with Israel, or at least the Jewish men, right? This has to do with the Euphrates River, this has to do with the sun, this has to do with the rivers, this has to do with the sea, this has to do with the earth. Okay, so these are my pick my visual markers to help me. Could these angels, could these be some of the angels, some of the one third of the angels of heaven that were that fell with Lucifer? What does your logic tell you? Yeah, they had to have initially been the created angels of God that were all good in heaven. But now because they're bound, why would they be bound in the Euphrates River? And when they come out, what do they do? What does it say they do? They kill how many? One third of men. So would you call those good angels or bad angels? Yeah, and also it says, uh, not only do they kill a third of man, let's put that on here. They kill one third of men. And then what else do they do? Or who, who's with them in this work? An army. How big is their army? 
uh-huh, 200 million horsemen army, right? That are with them. That's an 18. Is my in chapter nine? Yeah, 918 there. Okay. So they kill, uh, they kill men. They have an army of 200 million. And concerning men, what happens? Yeah. And they don't repent. Again, men do not repent. 920. Amazing. It blows my mind. This is where now our uh, uh, one of those chapters comes in with the little parenthesis, right? In chapter 10, right? What is it? There is a key um, phrase that Kay asked us to look for. What did you see in chapter 10 about the key phrase concerning God's wrath? What, what are we learning here in chapter 10? And what verse are you in? Yes, that's exactly it. So in six, he says, who created the heavens, the earth, the things that the earth and the things in it and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. But in the days when the voice of what? The seventh angel. So there's going to be delay no longer. But what is it affix it to? The days of what? The voice of the seventh trumpet. So then we have to say, okay, then no more delay, but it has to do with the seventh trumpet. And we have to figure out what about the seventh of Trump, the seventh trumpet then is that, that there is no longer a delay. But he says in that seventh trumpet though, what is finished? <laughs> then the mystery of God is finished. So let's add that up here. We're going to go, we're going to put that information over here. No more delay. And what is that reference? 10 what? 10-6. Ten, six. Ten, six. And then it says mystery. Mystery of God finished is 10-7. Is finished. In 10-7. Okay, so we learned that from back in chapter 10, which falls in between the finishing of our uh, sixth uh, trumpet, but we see in chapter 10 in the middle, this is where we have that little column in between that we can write these things, right? So on this chart, I don't have that. But that's where I'm going to put it for us, that we see it. No more delay. The mystery is finished in the seventh trumpet, he says. In the seventh trumpet. So we have to figure out about what about that, what is it about the seventh trumpet that there is no longer a delay and that the mystery is finished? How is it finished, right, is the question. Okay, so 200 million. Now we have to finish, though, because what, one thing that we, we see is um, we're looking at heading towards chapter 11. How do we connect chapter 9 to 11? Yeah, so the, there's a book, and it's like this parentheses, and it says, and then what? Then there was a measuring rod given to me, but how do we know we're not finished with the sixth with the sixth trumpet? How do we know? Yeah, because the seventh one has not sounded yet. Where does the seventh one sound? In chapter in verse 15 of chapter 11. So if you back up to verse 14, what does it tell us there? 
the second woe is past. So we know that here it says, whoa, 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 because of the three remaining blasts. So you've got one blast, two blasts, three blasts. We know the first woe was passed in 912 that told us what we do now is we're, even though we're here in chapter nine, chapter 10, and this pen is not working now because I let it dry out. Okay, let's do it this way here. Chapter 10 is a pause or a parenthesis. Right? There's a parenthesis there in chapter 10. And it's filled with this information right here. Correct? And then we go on to, now we're in chapter 11. Correct? And we know that we go from chapter 11, verse 1, all the way to verse 14 before we're finished with it. So now we need to finish adding the information about that sixth trumpet up here into this. I'm going to change colors so you can see uh, the distinction of these two chapters. But it's still the same trumpet. It's still the, the sixth trumpet, correct? Okay, what happens then in 11? This is where we get those two time references given to us, but we don't quite know where they're going to go on a timeline yet, but we just have the points of information. We know that the holy city, what's going to happen to it? It will be what? Tread for how long? 42 months. And that's one point. And then what's the next point? About two witnesses, right? And the two witnesses will prophesy for 1260 days. Will prophesy for 1260 days. Okay. This is one of those moments where if you don't know where they go yet, you just leave it because you don't know for sure. You're going to figure it out. When we start timelining, we're going to be able to see it better, but we're not quite there yet. Right now, just note it. We, we see the information is given to us in this chapter or in this, in this particular uh, trumpet. The trumpet is telling us that these are two things happen. Now, what's interesting to me is which of these two points are details actually continued on and given more facts about? The witnesses, right? So it seems like the witnesses become the dominant emphasis at this point. Would you say that's true? Okay, if you've observed that much anyway. So concerning the two witnesses, what do we see happens to them? They're going to be, they're going to, they prophesy for this many days. They're going to be killed and what? Uh-huh. And then they're taken up where? To heaven. And um, very interesting here to me is what happens. It literally says in that hour, again, a time reference, right? In that hour. What has happened here is something has happened in heaven. We're again at the throne of God, right? And at the throne of God, after heaven opens and they're taken up and received into heaven, then what happens? A great earthquake. Basically, 
Yeah, that's the question, right? Is where, what is the location? It says, what does it tell us about after the earthquake happens? What's one of the things that happens? Yeah, 11 through 13. What, 7,000 are killed? A tenth of the city fell. What is the city then is what you have to figure out, right? And uh, what have we been told previously in this information? This is talking about where? The holy city and the, those two witnesses. And we see the city fell, great earthquake, city fell. The city, it's actually one-tenth of the city. Let's put that. One-tenth of city fell. So we have to figure out what city it is so we know where we are in on our geography on the earth, correct? And the rest uh, were terrified and gave God glory, and 7,000 were killed. Interesting to me. Now, that's interesting. So far, every time we've seen a response from men, it's always been a men what? Did not repent, did not repent, did not repent. In this case, there were 7,000 who were killed. A tenth of the city had fallen, so it's a, it's, it's a big portion, but it's not a huge amount. So still quite a bit left of that city. And the response of men this time, men gave God glory. Yeah, apparently. And then men gave God glory. That's the only time that I recall. Do you? It's the only time I recall that I see men giving God glory. And I, later, I think some of this is going to make better sense to you. Just kind of pay attention to the fact that this happened, though. And at this point, because what we're going to figure out now is when we get to this next part, where are we on our timeline? What's happening and what's about to happen? So when you see this, re this reference that men gave God glory, um, I think it's an important point just to keep in mind. Okay. All right. Parentheses, he says, then at the end of this, he's told us no more delay. The mystery is finished in the seventh trumpet. So let's talk about the seventh trumpet. Do you have any other points, by the way, on these last other two trumpets at this point? First wall passed, second wall passed. The logic of it is if it's in the, the remaining blasts, which are the trumpets, first wall, second wall, where must the third wall be? Has to be over here, right? third woe, but it's not told to us. So I'm just going to kind of put a circle around it because it doesn't say that. It just, it, but the logic is there by conclusion, correct? I can't even put a scripture verse with it yet, right? Okay. Did you notice I said yet? <laughs> okay. All right. So now let's talk about that seventh trumpet. Oh, this is interesting. So chapter 11, then verse 15, what do you see happening in verse 15 to 18? It's worship in heaven again, right? I don't know if you noticed that or not, but those first uh, four verses there, it says the voices in heaven were saying, and then they begin to sing all these praises. 
what are the time references stating there? What are they saying is happening? Okay, so the, the, the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So we see this as a statement of fact in verse 15, right? And we've already been told that in the seventh trumpet, the mystery of God is finished and there's no more delay. Now we're told in verse 15 of chapter 11 that now the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Think about that. That means this world is now Jesus's kingdom in the sounding of the seventh trumpet. Okay. <clears throat> now, um, there's an, another time this same phrase comes up. It's very, very similar. Did you pick up on it by chance? This kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. Flip over to chapter 12, verse 10 and 12, 10 through 12. Did you see it here? Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for. Now it says for what? <clears throat> and in 12, it says, woe to the earth what because the devil has come down to you having great wrath that knowing that he only has a short time very interesting so in this case then in 12 in 1212 whoa oops this dried out again woe to earth because satan has come down to you or he didn't come down was thrown down yeah and that's in 12 uh, i'm going to put 10 to 12 because i want you to see the totality of all that's said in there when you go and look it up so even though we don't see anywhere with the sounding of the seventh trumpet where it makes a statement that um, the third the third woe is is finished or as it's here the this second woe is passed this one is passed right this one doesn't say third woe is passed but we did see when we opened it up that there's a, a declaration at the beginning of that seventh trumpet that the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord. And when you follow that same phraseology, which we're trying to do, we're trying to match up phrases and things that look and sound alike, right? So your time referencing and your phrasing about the kingdom of God coming, which is one of the things she wanted you to pay attention and look for, shows up in chapter uh, 11 verse 15, but it's repeated in almost word for word in chapter 12 verse 10. And what's really cool is it then gives you a for statement. What is the for there? It tells you what it was there for, right? The fours and the therefores, you want to circle them and color them in. And that way, you, if, if it says four, then you know what, what's the four therefore, right? Well, he says the kingdom of God and the authority of have a, 
of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. So we now know a significant event has happened here where it says in verse 15 of 11, which is the seventh trumpet, is that that he says, woe to the earth, there's woe in, in verse um, 12, for this reason rejoice, O heavens. What are they doing in verses 15 to 18? They're rejoicing. Rejoice, O heavens, to you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and, and the sea because the devil has come down to you. And what does he now know? His time is short. That's interesting because where are we in the, in the progression of our, of our seals, trumpets, and bowls? We're at the beginning now of the bows. Now let's see if we can get some information about our bowls. Hopefully my marker will write for us. What do we see is happening in chapter 11, verse 18? What's, what's happened with the nations? I could have another marker. My marker just died. Hold on. Okay, the nations are enraged. Okay. And what time, what had come? I'm saying, say it again. I'm Very interesting, isn't it? Because they, they literally say, yes, they do. They have said that. We know that, that in the, um, In 10.7, it says, the mystery of God is finished in the days of the seventh angel. Let's see, wait a second. I don't see, tell me the verse you're in, chapter 11. Okay, the nations were enraged, your wrath came, and what, what time was it now? What is coming? Because here's a time reference. What is it time for? To judge and to reward. And time to judge and reward. Very interesting phraseology for that. But that's your first point about the nations, concerning the nations being enraged. And it's time to, to judge and to reward. Okay. Basically, those are the two big points out of that, correct? Because otherwise it goes on. It says, uh, time to, to judge and time to reward your bond servants, the prophets, the saints, and those who fear your name, the small and the great, to destroy those who destroy the earth. So that's, again, a judgment, right? And then what happens in 19? Okay, so temple. What happens every time you've seen the temple open? Well, yeah, sometimes. And what happens on the earth every time? There's an earthquake. So what do you think follows this? Does it? Look in verse 19. Oh, there's another. The temple is open and what happens? Okay, and then it's a great earthquake. Okay. What I generally do with this one for a visual, 
for earthquakes is I just do that. And that's a pretty good, it's not quite as declarative as all of these, but I know what it means. I see my lightning bolt in green, which means it's an earthquake on the earth. Green is for the earth. And then I kind of do a jig jaggy uh, underline to the word earthquake so I catch it. So every time I see an earthquake, but it seems like every time the temple is open, we have an earthquake. When the two witnesses were killed and they were taken up to heaven, what happened? <laughs> there they go. There they are at the throne again. Another earthquake. Isn't that interesting? You might want to pay attention to that. Go back and mark it. It's not. It, the important thing is, is that here we begin to see a consistency of earthquakes happening every time we we come to a close here in these in in this one. So that with each one, we have a visual reminder of what's going on. This one, we know it has to do with the Euphrates River. Here it has to do with earthquakes. Here it has to do with Jerusalem or Israel, the sun, the rivers, the sea, and the earth. Are you following me now? Oh, earth, yes, from alternate, there you go. Thank you very much. I did mean to do that. <laughs> so thank you for catching that. There we go. So there's the altar again, and when the altar, then we got that here in heaven, and now we've got the earthquake. Here again in heaven, and then we got the earthquake. And six also, I already did it. Oh, yeah, 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 earthquake here. Oh, the sun, the moon, and the stars uh, out of its play. Got it. Okay, did I get it? Okay, so those are kind of nice little uh, simple ways on your chart to not make more statements, but just in a colorful way to kind of spot it. And then you can start to see patterns and repetitions. What happened before and what happened after? Is there significance to that? And one thing I connected was every time heaven is opened for anything, there's an earthquake upon the earth. Isn't that interesting okay, you can 10, minutes left. 10 minutes left to do seven whoa we're in trouble it won't take what well, okay but it probably i probably will go over a few minutes but not that much we'll see if i can make it happen okay let's see if we can do it. great earthquake uh what happens now in chapter 12 and 13, continuing with it, 14. Where's the next time? What are, did, you saw 12, we see a sign. What is the sign? A woman in heaven and her son. And what is the second sign? Another, a dragon. Do you see the word sign come up again? Yeah, yeah it does in chapter 15, the first verse. I don't know if you noticed it, but we actually have three signs, not two. So it looks to me like, this parentheses that we've hit here has to do with signs. And this parentheses that we've hit here, just like in chapter 10, we had a parentheses and seven, we had a parentheses. This little parentheses is three signs. It runs from chapter 12 through 15, four. 
have you picked up on that? Now, one of the ways I know this also is because we picked up in chapter seven, after verse four, after these things, we go, it says, and I looked and what do I, what am I looking at? The temple, right? And the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was open. What had you seen happen in verse 19 of 11? Back where you left off with that seventh, yeah, the temple of God had, of heaven had opened. Had we received really much information other than the earthquake about that seventh trumpet yet? Have we seen seven anything concerning seven bowls? Are you expecting there to be something with seven bowls here? Because we had in the first one, seven, uh, seven angels given seven trumpets, right? So in this one, it seems like there should be seven angels being given seven bowls, correct? Haven't seen that yet, right? So we're looking for that. We know that the seventh bowl hasn't finished. All we got was parts of this information. We know that 15 is still part of the signs. It runs down to verse four. So again, we have a break in a wrong place in the word of God <laughs> by men. Men did this, not God, okay? But in verse five, after these things, after what things? The last of the signs. So what is the third sign by the way the angels with plagues very interesting so the three signs are the woman with her son then you have the second one is satan with his demonic forces and the third one is the the seven angels with seven bowls of god's wrath interesting so we have three signs and that seems to be a parenthesis and then we pick back up with our our seventh one and how do I know that? Well, what happens in 16.1? We have bowls. We begin to do bowls. So we know the seventh trumpet has to end over here. So we go back. We look at verse 5 through 8. We need to add it to the seventh trumpet, right? I hope you all caught that. And one of the connecting things for you is, number one, the temple that you saw opened up in heaven in verse 19 of 11 you pick back up with a restatement of it in verse five. After these things, I looked and the temple of the temple, uh, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony heaven was opened. So it had been opened because we see it opened in verse 19 of 11. That's right. That's exactly right. So your whole parentheses is chapter 12, 13, 14, and the first few verses of 15. And the reason we know the first few verses of 15 go with the past is because we see another sign. And that's where the signs were given at the beginning in chapter 12. Isn't that cool? So how many signs? Three signs. What is three symbolically? Completion, perfection. Yeah. And in 1619, the earthquake happens. Well, another one happens. Well, 
Yes. Nope. No, because you finish at the end of Revelation 15, you, you finish the last one. It says, uh, and the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from the power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. So that's like a conclusion statement to that seventh trumpet. Then you see in chapter 16 begins the what? The bowls. The first angel, the second angel, the third angel, and each of them poured out their bowls. It's pretty much timing of yeah. the Lord's, but then the temple opened, out come angels, and right. nobody the temple fell. That's right. Yeah, isn't that cool? And the way you pick up on it is by looking for um, the fact that you're waiting for the, the finish of the seventh trumpet, which we hadn't found yet. The first clue to me was when I saw in chapter 12, a sign and a sign. And then I saw a sign again in 15. And all of a sudden, this is the first time I've noticed that. I've, how many times have I taught this? That's the first time I noticed that, oh, there's a third sign. That makes sense. There should be three signs. God does everything in, in numbers for a reason, right? And if you're thinking about God making a fulfillment to the things and the promises he's and he's making a declaration what did you see from chapter 12 to 15 what were these things that were going on in these these few chapters here that are a parenthesis and how far back in history do you go with the information that's given to you all the way to the beginning of the earth, right? I mean, uh, it talks about the angels when they fell and a third of the tails swept away the stars. It tells you who the, who the dragon is, right? Gives you all the information. Then it goes into chapter 13. And what does it tell you there? Who's the beast and who's the false prophet? Do, are, you, are you starting to catch on? So what is, what, if you were to look at this as if this were um, a movie you were watching. What has just happened here in these few chapters? The cast of characters on the stage of your play and giving you all their history and their background so that you understand who they are, what they're about, what's going on, what is their design purpose, what roles do they play, what are they going to be active in and doing. So these verses, chapter 12 through 15, 4, tell you all about these different things, including, by the way, chapter 14, which has a bunch, 144,000 in heaven singing, right? So, oh, wait a second, 144,000, where were they before? On the earth, and they were marked and sealed so that those locusts would not come out and harm them, right? Now they're in heaven. Hmm. Where are we in the sequence of things? Well, the, what happens with the, with the Satan, the third woe? Woe to the earth because Satan has come down. And now, but in here we see where are the... So what we saw in 14 is that where it was there's the war in heaven and then he's cast down. So in, in real life days, he's not yet seated. No, he's not yet. Yes, he is. Where, where is Satan right now? He's still in the heavenly realms. He's still accusing the brethren, right? Actually, we saw that in chapter 12. He says um, he's the accuser of our brethren has now been thrown down in, at this point in cha this chapter 12, 10, which is the third woe, 
when he says, now there's no more delay, the mystery is going to be finished. And he also tells us in 15.1, what concerning the wrath in the bowls? Yes. So let's add that up here. Great wrath or a great earthquake. And it says in the seven bowls, the wrath of God is finished. Oh, I know we do need, we do need a bigger thing. Okay. That was in 15.1, but it also says Again, if that's not enough for you, where is it repeated in that chapter 15? Do you see another wrath of God statement? In verse 7, then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. Now the temple is filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one is able to enter the temple until the seven plagues are finished. So what else has happened here in this one? Let's mark them. Okay, the temple that was open in heaven, a great earthquake, and what came out? Seven angels with seven bowls of wrath, right? And that's in, uh, was that 15.7 I said, correct? Okay, and? Well, six, they come out of the temple. Right. Okay, but it's close. Right. We actually, I'm just giving you the location so you can find it. Six and seven. Okay. There is a lot of other thing, information given to us. Um, temples open, angels come out, they're given the bowls full of the wrath of God. In them, the wrath of God is finished. 15, seven, 17, or oh, one and seven. 15. You can put one and seven. so that you connect those two statements that in these seven bowls, the wrath of God is finished. So it's the bowls that finishes the wrath of God. Everybody's got that one down, right? In 1115, it told us, so, so see how much you have to go back though, to get the beginning of your chapter of your seventh bowl. It's back in 11. It begins in 11. Then it skips all the way to 15 before it finishes up. But then in 16, it's sequential again, picks right up and goes boom, 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 right? Okay, so you, is everyone good with that? Are you seeing those connections? Picking up on it by the temple, picking up on it by the wrath of God, picking up on it by the fact that in these things, they are finished, right? And the fact that um, uh, if verse 15 of 11, the seventh angel sounded, there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. He will reign forever and ever. This is really cool because this is just like the worship in heaven you saw back in what chapter? Right at the beginning, four and five. Yeah, four and five, where they're in heaven and they're worshiping before the throne, right? The 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God. Um, and he says, we give thanks to you, Lord, the almighty who are and who were, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Hmm. Yes. Who's going to come to reign? Jesus. Yes. You know, what's interesting about that is 
God is Jesus and Jesus is God. But but in this particular book, we know that we're speaking of Jesus because he's the one who's coming on the white horse. He is called the Lord God, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. That was one of the things, remember back in part one, I kind of went over it with you over and over about the one who is and was and is to come. And that is a quality and identity name that both God the Father and God the Son use. So sometimes it means God the Father, sometimes it means Jesus. In this case, who's coming to rule and reign? Jesus. So mark that one with a cross. But Katie, also God gave Jesus the authority initially. Of course. Yes, absolutely. Yes. But he says, we, we give thanks to you, O Lord God, the Almighty, who are and who were, because you have taken your right power and have begun to what? Reign. So here, who's going to be reigning? Jesus. We know God reigns on his throne from heaven, but this is speaking about what's going to happen on the earth. So this reigning is about on the earth, the millennial reign. Okay. And the nations, because and how do I know that? Because the and, and connects it. It's a conjunction connects it from the phrase before about who's going to reign. Then it goes, and the nations were enraged. Now we're on the earth. So who's going to reign and where on the earth? Jesus, right? Your wrath came, time to came for the dead to be judged, time to reward your bond servants and the prophets and the saints. So these seem like to be very broad sweeping statements, don't they? About quite a few different things going on. Why do you think they're saying it in this way? Who's saying it and from what perspective? They're all in heaven. So these are the, the voices from heaven. Some of them are the 24 elders sitting on their throne. And from the heavenly realm, how does God look at history? Time and events. They, they are events that are coming. And also, how does God see things? When he looks at... Even an unsaved person on the earth today, how does, and if that person is in 20 years going to be saved, how does he look down upon the earth and see them? The eternal perspective. He knows the end from the beginning. So what's really cool is even the unsaved who are yet unsaved, who, but yet are going to be saved, God already knows that. And he's watching over them to direct them and to guide them and to give them inspiration by his spirit and to bring people into his their lives because God knows the heart, right? And boy, that's a whole nother, I wish we had time for that. But anyway, okay, so 15 to 18 is the worship that's going on and declarations of fact, right? This is what's true. And it's true when you get to this point of the seventh trumpet they sound and these seven angels with seven bowls arrive. And now they're saying in the bowls, what? The wrath of God is finished. So how are they viewing it? Finished, right? Although we have seven bowls yet to un unfold, they are viewing it in the heavenly realm as finished because they know in those bowls, it is finished. And it is the right. Yes, exactly. Okay, so now let's go on and do the bowls. And these we shouldn't spend a whole lot of time on, really, because they're very simple. Um, the first one is, let's see, let me do these in, I'll do these in, in blue, I guess. Do I have a different color? Maybe, or a purple, how about that? Let's do purple. 
I saw purple, but I grabbed it. Okay, let's start with the first bowl. What did you see there? And what is what was poured on the earth? Loathsome and malignant. Uh, on those who have the mark of the beast. Wow. And on those who worship the beast image. Okay, so that's in 16.2, okay? Loathsome, and so and when, it, when they pour it out, where do they pour the bowl out on? Are we seeing a re repetition? Oh yes, we are. And I'm gonna do it just for this first one. And then I'm just gonna draw arrows. <laughs> But if you do this on your chart that you've made, where you're starting to see patterns, right? Then you see there's on the earth here and it's on the earth here. So what do you think is gonna happen over here? It's on the sea, gosh, it might be the sea. Was it? Voila, it's on the sea. So what do we have on the sea? What happens to the sea? blood uh, like that of a dead man and every living thing how much yeah in the sea died so again progression are can you possibly switch around any of these into a different order because if you started here with every living thing in the sea dying and you put this one to follow it. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because some people think that these happen in a variety of orders. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But what we're trying to do as inductive students is make sure we're paying attention and seeing the progression of order and the intensity of things happening and where we see here just a third of the sea, the third of the creatures and the third of the ships destroyed. Here we see every living thing in the sea is dead. Again, it's the sea and it's the sea, right? All right. Yes, we have. Good idea. Good point. Okay. I want you to take off whatever it is that makes that little point of blue on your shirt. It's a, oh, it's the microphone. I'm sure it's, it's, it's the microphone. Stephanie. Stephanie, it's the microphone battery. It has to be on. I don't want to get hurt. She's not hurt. She's good. Oh. It's, your, it's the light from the battery. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm good. It's my, my microphone. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that was the C. 
Every living thing, she's taking care of me. <laughs> Every living thing in this sea died. You're the only one in this whole room that was worried about my well-being this morning. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So the next one is concerning, well, Pierre, what was it? The great star fell from heaven. And we have a third of the rivers, a third of the springs. What do you think's down here? Okay. What happened with me? What's there and died? What here died? Oh, many, lots of, lots of men, many, many men died. Yeah, many men, and these are little men. And they're dead. Okay, many men died. Okay, now here we have the sea. Oh, no, now we're in the rivers, right? It's the rivers. And, and the springs, it calls them this time. And what happens to them? Become blood. Uh, become blood. And this one was very interesting because it goes on with a because statement. Why? You gave them blood to drink. What does that mean? And who is the they? The saints and the prophets, right? And the you is God or Christ, either one. I just gonna, I just put a cross on it for now. Okay. So the rivers and the springs became blood because you get you gave them blood to drink. Why? Because because the because uh, the blood of the prophets and the saints was poured out. Right. But doesn't it say to us in this one, it, we're in 16.4. Let me look at it. Uh, they poured out the bowl and the rivers and the springs and the waters and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water saying, righteous are you, O, uh, who are and who were, O holy one, because you judge these things for they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets. And so you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. So I think it's very interesting. This one gives us a why statement. And what do you think it connects back to? Souls the, the souls under the altar saying what? How long, O Lord, until you avenge our blood? And here the blood is being, we see an, at least at one point, an avenging of blood. Now, it might, may not be the final avenging, but at least it's one of them. And we certainly saw it when we did last time, we were looking at things and we were marking things with blood drops. We were seeing after the, after the statement, how long, oh Lord, that, that right away with the, the first ones of these, we see a lot of death, right? People are burned up, people are killed, people are, so we saw a lot of blood. So we were beginning to see it there, but now the intensity of it is increasing. Now we're into the third bowl and we see rivers and springs have become blood. You gave them blood 
why and i've got this in the wrong place because the saints and the blood was poured out why because the saints and the blood uh, the saints and the prophets their blood was poured out this evil kingdom of this in time had um <clears throat> find my water Sorry. Okay. So because the, um, the blood of the saints and the prophets was poured out. And so God gave them blood to drink. And then he says, what concerning this? What kind of, what does he say about the judgment of this? They deserve it. And you are what your judgments are true and righteous. I just love that statement in there because you're, you're, uh, judgment is true and righteous. Any other inputs on that? See how fast those were? Let's do the next one. <clears throat> the fourth bowl. Uh huh. The sun scorched man, right? And what happened? That's just hard for me to believe. Is it? Okay. All right. So the sun scorched men, it says with fire and fierce heat. That's in 16.8. And then in 9, it tells us, and men did not repent. These statements of they, uh, they gave God glory in the one, but all these others where it keeps saying, and they don't repent. Again, it's just a constant reminder that God is seeking for them to repent. His desire is that in this time, they will repent. He wants them to repent, right? Do we know if any of them do repent? I mean, as far as at the end of this tribulation, are there people who get saved out of this tribulation? Yes. We see the multitude in that one parentheses we had, right? where it says the 144,000 can stand. And also this is in chapter seven, right? And then the, the second group is the multitude that's standing before the altar of, uh, in heaven, right? At the end, it says, and who are they? You know who they are. They're the ones who come out of the great tribulation, right? So God desires for men to come out and to repent. Okay, so again, the sun, the rivers, the sea and the earth, correct? Okay, what do we think we've got going on here? Where, what would the subject matter be? Something about what? Israel, right? And the 140, so let's see what we see. What does it tell us about the fifth bowl? Mm -hmm. It's poured on. throne of beast now we know the we know the beast is the one who uh according to those the information given us into chapter 15 is that the beast 
and his prophet, and they force men to receive a mark, correct? Uh, where is that beast going to be centrally located? In Jerusalem again, right? We know that because of, um, I don't see my blue marker now, here it is. So the throne of the beast is located where? In Jerusalem. seeing a pattern again this one was a little bit trickier because you have to understand you have to reason through where's the throne of the beast what is it meant by the throne of the beast now the beast has a kingdom and it does go on to say the beast's kingdom and his throne right so it's on the throne of the beast and his kingdom yeah Yeah, so he, so he, yeah, so he has a throne and he has a kingdom, right? So that's the first thing you pay attention to. The second thing is, where is that? If it's a throne, anytime throne is mentioned scripturally, it almost always refers to the throne of God's throne, right? And in this case, what this reminds us of, for those of us who even know anything about eschatology and end time things, is that at the end of days, Antichrist is going to go into the throne of God and set himself up to be as God and expect worship. We know from what we've studied previously in this study so far is there's going to be a mark given and those who don't come to worship him, right? What will happen to them or not happen to them? They cannot what? Buy or sell. So, he, so we now know we're in Jerusalem, which lines us up here again with with location is poured out on his kingdom. And what happens? What happens to the people? And we learned all that in our Daniel study when we were placing where is that little horn on the time. And that was what I talked about earlier. Then there came up that rather small horn who turned out to be who? Antiochus Epiphanes. What kingdom was he in? Greece. Greece. So we know that when the rather small horn was spoken of, even though he looked very similar to the end time Antichrist, he was geographically in the wrong time in his, of history. So that helped us to place that rather small horn in its correct place. But what did we learn by looking at the rather small horn? What he's actually going to do, because he already did it. I mean, it's fulfilled history. 
We have history books filled with the things that Antiochus Epiphanes did. So we can now go to those history books, look at what he did and uh, all the things that he forced on the Jews and how he desecrated that temple. And we can say, this is what it's going to look like, something similar to that. So here we have now this mention of that, of the kingdom of the, rather of the, little horn who is the antichrist and he is this king who's on his throne in jerusalem on the throne of god and now we see that when the bowls are poured out at this point in the fifth uh bowl it's poured out on his throne and on his kingdom they gnaw their tongues because of pain his kingdom has been darkened and men yet do not repent okay so that's that is the fifth bowl now let's go to the sixth Yeah, we're about half hour over, aren't we? Okay, bowls. Six, the sixth bowl. What did I do with my other paper? Huh? Do you see it there? Oh, it's on the floor. Okay. I found it. I thought Stephanie took it. <laughs> she wanted this one. <laughs> you would never be able to read it. It's such a mess. <laughs> okay, we've got two more to do. These ones are a little more lengthy, though. So let's see what we can do with these. The last, uh, the sixth one is... Um, Euphrates River. Are we have we got another repeat? Yeah. We do, don't we? Euphrates River. Nope, not in this one. Euphrates River. Uh, and what happens to it? Dries up. Why? Okay, and that's in 612. Yeah. Oh, this is 16. Sorry, 1612. You're right. I got. Um, okay, and what else is, do we learn about this particular bowl? In this bowl, what else happens? Yeah, there's three. And, and how are they identified? Who are these three unclean spirits? The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And what are they doing? Yes, they perform signs. And what is the purpose of their signs? To gather the men for war. That's interesting, huh? So the Euphrates is dried up to pre prepare the way for kings of the east. So apparently the ones coming from the east may not have road access so the euphrates gets dried up okay then it says the dragon the uh the beast and the false prophet they perform signs yeah 
and the purpose is to gather kings. Now, this is important to me. I think this one, you almost have to kind of mark it off in a certain way that they are being prepared what? They're gathering them for war, correct? It's not a war that's taking place right at that moment in that bowl, but it's a preparation for them. It's a gathering for them, right? Okay. And the war is actually given a name. What is it called? Armageddon. Everybody knows that one, right? Armageddon. And it's also called what in verse 14? The great day of God. So it's given two more titles. It's a war, Armageddon and the great day of God. And that's in 1614, right? Okay. Any other points on that one? That was pretty simple. Euphrates, Euphrates, right? Israel or Jerusalem, one or the other. Uh, the sun, the rivers and springs, the sea and the earth. And it's progressive. Here it happens to a certain measure, which is bad enough, a third, a third, a third of the earth. Then down here, it comes to its totality, every living uh, thing, right? Now we have the last one last of our deal here we see what happens later a great earthquake but what happens before that there's a voice right a voice from where from the throne <laughs> did you notice that there's your throne again right and what happens an earthquake Um, and the and then it's and he says what it is done that's in what 16 17 i should have done that one in um red for you to see it better it is done an earthquake and then he says it is done what was uh 16 17. Okay. So we see it was a greater earthquake. It says it is done. What happens after the earthquake? Okay. So now we see the great city. Is split. All right. What else? Cities of nations fell, and one of those nations is Babylon. Babylon falls. Okay, and given what is she given? The fierce wrath 
of God. And that was in 1619. Okay, so these are the three primary points that happened after the, the earthquake, right? There's an earthquake, I don't have my green. Use this one, maybe it'll work. So we have a great earthquake, right? And he says, it is done. The city split, the great city split. What do you think that city is? Jerusalem. Okay, you might want to mark that in a way that you understand that speaking of Jerusalem. And the cities of the nations fell. I don't know how you're marking your nations, but I, I have just a green flag to show that they are from the earth. Babylon falls. And then it goes on to talk about something else about uh, details concerning what else is going on. What is it in 1621, 19-21? Every mountain and island, what happened to them? They're moved out of their place. They're moved. But here now what happens? They're, they're flattened. There is no more mountains or islands. It's all flattened. That's interesting. It's, it's a pre-guard landscape again, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, something. Okay, now every okay, so then he says, and what happens with men? Yeah. <laughs> they blasphemed God in 1621. So in other words, they don't repent, right? Now we were to go on and do more about the next chapters, and it really doesn't have a lot to do, it doesn't have anything to do um directly with, with what is stated in the bowls that's very interesting but yet it seems to be related to the bowls right because in 16 we see information about babylon falling nations falling this great earthquake so what happens in 17 and 18 oh very interesting so it seems like just for a point of interest that what we've got going on here is a We've got a big picture, right? Now we've got details, correct? Very good, I'm so glad you caught that so quickly. I didn't even have to work it in. You made that very easy for me. So first of all, what you're seeing in these chapter 16, um, a bowl, a bowl, a bowl, a bowl, it's like a big picture. It's like, and it's, it's very quick, it's very, well, look at how much information's on here. Almost nothing, right? Boom, 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 boom. But don't you know there's more detail? But we don't get more detail about any of this, do we? But where do we get more detail? Here. At the end, after the chapter 16 comes chapter 17 and 18, where is all the detail given? Details are given about fall of Babylon, right? What else? The nations. Judgment of the nations. 
where do you get that one? How are they judged? What happens in 19? Jesus returns. Jesus comes, right? And he, he judges the nations for war. What war? Oh, Armageddon. The war. So they gather for the war in the sixth bowl, but in the seventh bowl then, we see it's all finished. How is it finished? When we move into chapter 17, 18, 19, that's all we've done so far. But 17, 18, 19, we begin to see details about the things that are going on then in this seventh bowl. It's cursory given to us in that chapter 16. But it, when we move on, now we get details about it. We see Jesus has come for that war and it shows us more about that. Uh, talks about the great uh, supper of God. When the supper of God happens, what do they come to do? They eat flesh of men kings primarily, kings and great men, right? Meaning the leaders primarily. So who's being judged here? It's the kings and the kingdoms, correct? Kings and kingdoms. Um, let me look and see what else I have on here. I know I have a list. It's here. Okay, he comes to judge the harlot who is Babylon. He comes to judge great men and kings and nations. In uh, 19, it's in verse 15 to 18. Then he also comes in chapter 19. After that, we see in 19 verses 19 and 20, who else is judged in that seventh bowl? The beast. And and false prophet. Wow, there you go, girls and boys. Does that help you a bunch already? So what you see then is big picture was given in the seven bowls in chapter 16, but now we're going into detail. So what does that tell you at this point about the patterning of flow of this book? It is in logical order and Big picture details, or actually in this case, it starts out details. Why? It chapters one through three, letters to the churches, all the details about who Jesus details. Then what happens when you uh, when you get to four, five, six, seven, eight, not big picture again, because now we've got the seals open, we get the trumpets, right? So we go again, we go down. So now I'm not going to give you the full breakdown on it, but now that you know there's a pattern of big picture details, big picture details, big <laughs> think on that, okay? Because there's some patterns that are going on in here that'll help you, I think, a lot. Because now, doesn't that explain now chapter 18, uh, 17, 18, and 19 already? You now know that is details about what was already told to you here in that last bowl in just cursory quick points. Okay. So now when you go into 20, why do you think she had to stop at 19? What is 20? What happens in chapter 20 at this point? 
ah, now we move to the millennial reign. So everything that we've looked up here through chapter 19 covers the tribulation, right? But then when we hit 20, we're going to start focusing on another time frame on our, on our timeline. And so she broke us where we, she broke us so that we won't go into the millennial reign and confuse those events with the stuff that's going on here. All right. And those details that are given to us in 17, 18 and 19 help us to see that all that happens right here because they relate back to Babylon and the, the city's falling and the great city is split down here. It shows us these things that are happening here. We're going to see more when we get into um, the next week's lesson then, because we'll go through the rest of the chapters. Yay. I'm sorry. It did take us an hour and a half. Wow. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I hope you're not exhausted from all this, but it's lengthy. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yoshiko likes it. So <laughs> the other two are like, um, in a daze. <laughs> Thank you.